yo, 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 yo. How many yo's was that? Did you count them, Kirk? What's that? Did you count the yo's? There were about seven yo's. No. That's way under. That's got to be way under. I don't know why I decided to go that route, but here we are. It's popcorn for breakfast. You already know. It's popcorn for breakfast. It's Monday night. It's... Well, it's possibly Monday night. If you're if you're one of the people I can currently see up in the little corner watching the stream, thank you for being here. It is Monday night for you. Um, if not, it's uh, you know it's five o'clock somewhere. I don't know, um, but welcome. Thank you for being here with me as always. Your co-host. Hello, hello, Kirk. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And I realized to my horror as we were about to begin this stream that um, I am wearing the exact same outfit that I wore last week whenever we streamed. And what? so for those of you <laughs> astute enough to pick up on that, um, I can assure you that I have showered in the last seven days. Uh, this outfit has been washed. My hat has not been washed, but my mm. hair has. My hair has actually been cut since then. Um, I know that this is probably, you probably don't believe any of this, but I, I actually have left this chair. If you're concerned for my well-being, I have, I have mm. actually left. So do with that information what you will. Here's the deal. If you haven't picked up on it in the previous thousands of videos that we've done, I am a Miami Heat fan and they had a playoff game tonight and um, it's white hot playoffs. So if I don't wear white, they lose. That's just how it goes. That's not superstition. That's not. Fugazi. It's just fast. That's, that's real statistically, life. That's just real. Um, so trial and error. You've found that every time you're not wearing white, they lose. They lose. They, they told me to wear white, so I wore it, and I'm wearing it again. How many, how many games are in a typical season for the Heat? Like the regular season or the playoffs? The whole thing. Well, Game regular season. Regular season is regular season is 82 games. Okay. And the playoffs uh, could be anywhere from 16 games to 28 games. Okay, so we're looking at 112 games, if I did my math correctly, which I think was probably spot on. Yeah, I believe so. Wow, I was just guessing. Anyways, I need to buy you 112 white heat Well, no, no, no. It's just white hot playoffs. So I don't have to wear it during the regular season. It's just during the playoffs. Otherwise, I'm I'm failing them. And they, they know. They can feel it. I want you to be white hot from day one. They set foot on that court. They spike Every that time. ball because it's volleyball. So yeah, they, <laughs> they spike, spike it. Right. Ball what else do they do? <laughs> their, their team member, they kick it yep. in the direction of the goalpost. Sometimes. I want to make sure that you are officially ready so this is my this is my stance i'm going to from this day forward every time i have a few extra dollars i'm gonna sock <laughs> it away and i'm gonna make sure i buy you 112 white t-shirts I honestly that on it. that's very generous um but i honestly probably have enough white t-shirts to wear one every day of the week that's clean i probably do like enough white heat shirts to do that i don't know for sure but i, I think i do this just happens to be my favorite right now so mm-hmm. I'm riding the wave. Then the playoffs are weird. Like if you're a sports fan, the playoffs get really weird. Like if you're not a superstitious person, which I am definitely not, you get really weirdly superstitious. Like last, uh, well, two years ago playoffs, we had a good run and we played back-to-back green teams and I did not wear green for weeks. I mean, just like literally did not, would not wear it. Wouldn't wear anything that was green. Like it was bizarre Um, and it worked. So say what you will about it, but it did work. 
Wow. And the game is almost over? It is, is over. Right? It's over. I, I mean, I like you guys, but let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, I would probably not be here if the game wasn't over. But I am here and happy to be here because, Kirk, we have lots of news. We have lots of big movie news going on, which was not the case during our last live stream. So I'm really excited to be here and talk about the news. The biggest reason for the news that we are going to talk about this week is a little event called CinemaCon, which um, for those of you who are unaware, this is a, this is a convention. You know, most trades have some sort of convention um, of sorts. This is legitimately like maybe in your line of work, you go to a big (laughs) convention or trade show every year. This is the big show for people who own movie theaters. And so, um, you might think to yourself like, well, then why does a bunch of movie news come out of that? Well, because the reason for it is that the way this whole business works is that movie theaters purchase distribution. They purchase a good, just like if you sell to any other company and they go out and sell it to the consumer, movie theaters purchase movies and then they sell it to consumers. Um, So this is the convention to sell the movies to the people who will sell the movies to the consumers. So pretty cool little industry knowledge there if you if you weren't aware of that so there is a lot of movie news that comes out because these guys are out there they're like bring our movies to your cinema right here's the release date here's who's in it here's the trailer and so you get a lot of the really cool marketing type material for it and what was really big this year is that it's the first time it's been held in person since covid so this was like you know their big thing was like the movies are back cinema's back people are going people are feeling safe enough to do it and let's make a big splash. The theaters are still here, um, which I would say remains to be seen. As much as I am like an avid supporter of the theater, we've talked about it lots. Me and Kirk were literally at the movies last night. That's right. Um, seeing the Northman, um, which we'll be reviewing this week. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, so it, it remains to be seen if theaters are back, but there's certainly a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. There's a huge slate of movies coming out this year that are really high profile, and we're excited to see all of them. Um, and we got some news about a lot of those movies. So without further ado, let's pop it up, Kirk, shall we? Yes, please. Let's get into what's popping. All right. So after that huge tease about CinemaCon, I'm going to start with something that actually didn't come out of CinemaCon because there are like two big things that sort of did not come out of CinemaCon that I want to make sure that we talk about. And the first one is utterly hilarious in every way and I'm, I'm so excited to get into it it's uh fast x kirk x yeah <laughs> not wakanda <Adrenaline>. forever <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is fast <laughs> x baby um the so the x uh, they picked up on the fact that uh roman numeral for 10 is x <laughs> and so they decided to go that route but it's not the title of the movie, which we now know. It's not anything about the plot of the movie. It's the fact that director Justin Lin abruptly announced his exit from Fast X in the middle of production, which is, um, you know, this is a big, big budget movie, and this is not something you see every day. Sure, there's creative differences, but most of that happens pre-production. Usually when you see director changes, it's pre-production, unless there's some sort of, like, Zack Snyder family emergency type of issue or something like that. So this was a big shock, especially considering Kirk, and you'll remember this from whenever we reviewed F9. um, Justin Lin was talking all about how like 
they're, you know, F9 is the first movie in a three movie trilogy to finish out the franchise, right? And it's like his trilogy. It's like the Justin Lin big trilogy to finish it out. He bounced out. So whether or not that vision is still in place, I think is definitely in question. Um, but what, what was your reaction when you first heard this news, Kirk? First of all, never a better time to make a trilogy than series number 9, 10, and 11. Let's just That's what that I always out. say. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this has to be like critically bad for the director to walk out the relationships that were causing friction. Because, I mean, one would say that you're directing a, a very campy, um, most traditional, stereotypical action movie ever. Yeah. And you have creative differences. I right. mean, have we seen the last nine of these films? It's a good point. That just seems pretty bonkers to me that that something like this would happen or could happen it's actually a really good point you make and not one that i had considered because if you think about it some of the same things that we talked about when we talked about um fat fast nine f9 um are what makes this so appealing i think as a as a directorial project first of all massive budget yep cast of characters who have been around the block um Basically, Fast and the Furious has created its own genre. So in order to knock it out of the park, you just have to make it bigger, faster, louder, crazier than the last movie, which the budgets grow and grow. So that's like a decently low bar to clear. And it doesn't have to be like the most well-written, deep, dialogue-heavy type of thing in the world. So, no. you know, you get a few bad takes, you can, you can leave that in the final cut. So you would think it's like a pretty plush job. Um... But this is where it gets interesting, Kirk. Now you're thinking, what makes a guy leave this project? Well, <laughs> the same thing that has caused a couple of different people to leave this project over the years, most notably uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and that is Mr. Vin Diesel. Vin mm -hmm. Diesel can't live with him, can't live without him in the Fast series, and he is up to his old tricks once again. Uh, New York Daily News is reporting that Justin Lin left Fast X uh, due to Vin Diesel's difficult behavior. Showing up late to the set, uh, out of shape, not knowing his lines, rewriting stuff on the fly, just causing all sorts of ha havoc on the set. Uh, and that was actually corroborated later today, like a couple hours before we jumped on the stream um, by The Hollywood Reporter, who said that there were script rewrites from Universal and Vin Diesel that were causing Justin Lin anxiety and he he basically had one big blowout with vin diesel and said and this is a quote from the hollywood reporter this movie is not worth my mental health which ha we've all been there right like with work like this is not sometimes that happens if you're in a bad job like you're like oh, this is man, not yeah. worth my mental health I that was justin laugh. lynn but again I don't want to diminish Justin Lin. I hope he's okay. No, but it's funny because it's Vin Diesel. Like, like that, like, <laughs> like that to me, like that is the thing that makes it funny is like, right. In no universe does Vin Diesel hold the, hold the fate of, of Justin Lin's future <laughs> right. of his directorial career, yeah. right? Like this movie could be the greatest or the worst and no one would really care no. or say Vin Diesel did that to him. So I, again, I do wish him the best, yes. but um, I mean, which also just leads to the fact that he really must have been terrorizing him uh, in such a, a, a nasty way through all, through all of these things of, of just complete disrespect and disobedience. But again, I go back, 
it is the 10th Fast and the Furious movie. I know. I don't get it. I don't get it Yeah, at and all. honestly, I think Justin Lin is going to be like, I think this might be best career move ever for him. Oh, other other yes. than financial, like actual career move, he's going to be happier. So that's good for your personal life. And like, get away, get out of like the next five years of purgatory making Fast and the Furious movies. Yes. You can go off and do something else. Like, I think that that's a win. I think that the Broccoli's uh, who run the, the Bond Foundation, the James oh. Bond Foundation, if they were to hire his skills, think of the car chases that we would have. <laughs> but in reality, like put it into realistic terms, like. Um, you just have to like restrict him, right? Like have him just like make it, make a, the plot, make the storyboards and be like, okay, cool. We're going to cut this piece out. And you know, this tank doesn't belong here. Oh, and I saw that, uh, that James Bond lifted up a, a bulldozer. We don't need that. Yeah. And you put that all together. And I think that you can have something really cool and creative and then just help, help guide him, help funnel him on the right path. Yeah. No, like, like hooking the chassis of the car onto like the remains of a rope bridge and then swinging through a valley, you know, none yes. of that. We'll just take it like three steps back from that. And there you have a good James Bond car chase scene. I mean, listen, I don't really know what this guy can do outside of this, but I, I guarantee it's gotta be better than, than what's been coming out. Cause I, I did not Indeed. think F nine was good. I felt like the bar bar was low to clear and they made a, they made a somehow made a worse Fast and the Furious movie. There have been some movies that you're like, this was exactly what it was supposed to be, and you know, it, it, it's as simple as that, and that's totally fine. And but that that one was like a step backwards, weirdly, for the Fast and the Furious. So right, um, good for him. They and so what happens is when when you when you lose a director in the middle of production, that becomes a very expensive pro problem. So because this movie has a huge budget. A massive crew full of stunts, techs, and, you know, mechanics. I mean, just tons, like set design, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they were estimating that each day that this project was stalled without a director, Universal was spending at least 600000 and upwards of a million dollars every day without a director on this project. And so they worked hastily to put an end to that uh, hemorrhaging of cash and they hired uh, Louis I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up his name he's a French director so so sorry Louis or Louis give me grace here um, letter yay he's officially replaced Justin Lin this is the guy who directed now you see me he directed the first two transporter movies which is probably his claim to fame he directed um, the Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton so uh, Ooh, okay Clash of the Titans. So there are some stinkers on that resume, but again, it's Fast and the Furious. So like low bar to clear, seems like he would have the right sort of resume and we wish him the best working with, you know, Vin Diesel, who is like the movie equivalent of like Bridezilla, Groomzilla. He's, right. know, I feel like that's gotta be a nightmare scenario. Right. And I mean, if he walks out to just a reminder, we're right over here. Just uh, we'll be a duo like the Russo brothers. We're ready for fast. No way. That's that's yeah. the one. That's the one project I would say a hard no to. That's the one project, Cam. That's well, one of them. Not like Moana 2 or Little Mermaid 9. I mean, I would do Moana. Moana 1 was great. Well, of course it was. You can't. You can't soil it with a sequel. Well, sure, but I'm just saying, like, at least it's Disney oh. then. You don't have to deal with Vin Diesel. 
I mean, everything will eventually be Disney. I mean, just give it time. Fast, we are Fast on 10 that. will be on Disney Plus. On that trajectory. It's true. But, uh, you know, and like I had, what's weird is like, I feel like Vin Diesel is on like the worst PR streak of almost anyone right now, save Ezra Miller, who gets brought up for the third episode in a row. Congrats, Ezra. <laughs> but like, seriously, like, I don't think anybody really thought much about Vin Diesel other than like maybe he's not the greatest actor prior to all this like Dwayne Johnson stuff and now this and and like the weird singing career that he had. Oh, it's like this dude is making a lot of bad choices or just stuff is coming to light and now it's like I kind of don't like this guy anymore. Other than the fact that he plays Groot, which I am fine with. So right, we'll, just, we'll go with that. But. Fast X, it's uh, it's off the rails, but now back back on track. Hopefully, and we'll see what what comes of that movie, as it was already in production. Now got a director switch, and it's the tenth movie in the franchise. So we'll just see how it goes. Okay, next up, big story from today. The most significant story from today, which came post CinemaCon, was "Don't Worry, Darling." The "Don't Worry, Darling" trailer, uh, which dropped today. Big, long trailer here. I mean, we got to see some stuff from Don't Worry Darling in CinemaCon. You know, some new looks at the cast. Include, I mean, it's a stacked cast, right? Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, who replaced Shia LaBeouf in this movie. Uh, obviously, the director herself, Miss Olivia Wilde. Jimma Chan, Chris Pine, Kirk, Kiki Lane. Um, so, huge cast. Lots of different characters. Very, like... Lots of intrigue around this movie. I think the quote from Olivia Wilde at a CinemaCon that kind of piqued everybody's interest was she said, this movie was inspired by The Truman Show, Inception, and The Matrix. And people were like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, at least I was like, that is very intriguing. Um, But so we got a big, long trailer from Warner Brothers today to to tease this movie, which will be coming out later this summer. very much like a, I don't know, Stepford Wives type of feel here. Sh- certainly Truman Show where there's like people living in, in a somewhat idealistic world where there's clearly some sort of like weird seedy underbelly type of thing. Think Severance, think Homecoming, think like a lot of this psychological thriller stuff that's been going on. But this movie looks absolutely bananas you know this is olivia wilde with with a big budget and a big flashy cast coming off of her win with uh book smart and this is her big motion picture but kirk what are your thoughts after getting a look at this movie in trailer form today yeah, I didn't really get the Inception feel from when I first watched it, but as it's like playing here, um, if you're just listening, go watch it again or watch it for the first time. They had this big eye, so there's definitely dreams happening in this and manipulation of reality. So now I'm kind of feeling that vibe. Now, the Matrix thing, I'm, I'm still not getting, so I'm really wondering where that comes into play. Yes, right. Like, like is Florence plot-wise. Pugh the one? Is she going to like bust down and like have some bullet time? I don't know <laughs> what that's going to look like, but ultimately this this genre is my absolute favorite and you have like some of my favorite stars in this i'm absolutely seeing this in theaters i'm so pumped yeah it's a genre that's i mean it has always sort of existed right psychological thriller but it's almost like it's almost there's this subset of the psychological thriller genre that exists these days that is becoming increasingly popular which is just like the 
there's something going on here nobody knows what it is <laughs> thriller Wait. you know that that's very much the shows that i described severance homecoming you know wandavision was like mm-hmm. that like this is a something that's definitely like rising in popularity but i think for all the right reasons i think people um you know like at least you and i tend to like that thing i think it's popular with the masses so uh i'm very intrigued by this trailer there's a lot going on it's certainly not one dimensional by any means there's a ton to digest the thing that caught my eye in this trailer above all else there's a ton um at the one point where uh florence Pugh is like sinking into the bath there's a mirror next to her and while she sinks the mirror like her image on the mirror stays there and continues like looking to the right so i don't know if she's dreaming she's like not actually in the real world a la the matrix or what's happening but there are a few things that you spot that you're like oh there's something happening that can't happen in real life there Mm. Um, and the other thing that sticks out and i'm sure this caught your eye too kirk being a big chris pine fan is the role that he is playing is freaky 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 yes definitely that i mean chris pine is up for any task i haven't seen him in a bad role yet his command of this weird mysterious villain he's almost like a cult leader of the neighborhood i'm not quite sure how to pinpoint it just yet and then you have this these hitchcockian views these these uh, wide open spaces with very little in them and you're far back so when you can't when you're not close to something you are the watcher and you're like whoa why am i watching this what am i watching and then as you get closer then you can't escape it so we've got some of those uh uh, tactics happening within the the film cinematography and camera work that Olivia Wilde is playing with, especially that last shot that you just saw. She's like standing at some kind of planetarium over a desert, uh, giving me like vertigo and North by Northwest vibes. And <laughs> she's just like peering into it. It's like, what is she looking at? What is she going to fall? Is she what what's going on here? So this movie bonkers by all belief. And I'm so pumped for it. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And uh, Florence Pugh stepping into the all-too-familiar role of, you know, being our gaslit queen uh, of of the film. You know, I'm picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing that meme with the two arms that are like locked together, and they're both like super buff. I forget what movie it's from, like maybe Expendables or something like that. And it's like Probably. one arm says Midsummer, and the other arm says Don't Worry, Darling. And in the middle, where their hands join, it says gaslighting Florence Pugh to the point of insanity. That's that like that definitely appears to be what's going on. In fact, before I was like, can I even show the three minute trailer? It's really long and kind of like it's a little risque, steep. right? Risque. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll just show this picture of Florence Pugh being confused. Cause that's probably like the one, <laughs> the one thing that is the best visual summary of what's happening here is just like, Guys, Florence Pugh is very confused by what's happening and, and, and borderline alarmed and horrified. So Yeah, I think we should do a supercut of just uh, Florence Pugh <laughs> just being confused in movies. Albeit, they'll all be different. All They'll all be true to that character, but she will be very confused in very different ways. Yeah, exactly. Like She always does a good job, and she always carves out a unique character, even if her characters find themselves in similar situations. Uh, yes. And also, she has a very young career, so... Let's not forget that, too. She's still a, still a rising star with lots to do. But I'm with you. Very excited. Can't wait to see it in theaters. It should be a good time. All right. And now for the topic that I teased heavily at the beginning of the show, which is CinemaCon. And all things CinemaCon, all the big takeaways, 
There were a ton. And, and here's the thing with this event, right? Is like everything that you get is secondhand. This isn't like when Disney has their big like Disney Plus or Investor Day thing and you get to kind of like watch the live stream. Like this is a private ticketed paid event that you go to. And so everything you hear is secondhand and everything you see is not everything that's released. Like they're they're in there showing like the first 20 minutes of movies. They're showing big chunks of movies that are already completed. And we just get like the snippets, the title cards, a couple of images here and there released by the studio. So we will talk about those snippets and we'll kind of buzz through them here because there are a lot. But as we go through, you know, we're not going to take as much time as we did on the first two segments, but we'll talk about anything that is intriguing about what came out at CinemaCon. So without further ado, let's let's dive into it. So first up, let's talk about Marvel because over the course of CinemaCon, there were a couple of things that came out of the Marvel shop that were somewhat interesting. The first one being that John Watts, director of the Spider-Man, you know, the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy, is actually uh, leaving the Fantastic Four movie uh, amicably. He just wants to take a break from comic book movies, but he is going to step away from that project and he will no longer be directing that film for Marvel Studios. That's um, and, and the part about it being amicable and stuff is coming from Deadline. They did some reporting there. I think that was always sort of believed to be the case. I mean, the movie's not in production yet. This isn't. <laughs> this certainly isn't like a Justin Lin scenario. He's not storming off the set. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But no new director happening there, Kirk. How does that... Are you still okay with Fantastic Four or are you worried about this? I'm okay with Fantastic Four now that it's in Kevin Feige's hands. I think that he will not allow it to fail. I mean, there certainly it's been in Marvel's wheelhouse, but he didn't have his finger on it right before. He wasn't quite sure how to do it. He's seen it fail several times, so now he knows what not to do. There's the blueprint. And now he has this whole world to connect it to. Uh, it's just a lot easier to, to get those strengths. Uh, we could possibly see something similar to Spider-Man where we don't have a full origin story yep. to it. And I think that's what's best for Fantastic Four. Just let these guys roll up and just exposition their way into what happened to them. Because, I mean, did you see the Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> Fanta- uh, uh, Kate, Kate Mara, Mara, Fantastic yeah. Four? Yep. Right? Like, it was... 98% let's t- show how they became the Fantastic Four with like a three minute final battle and then that was it. It was just so sad. It was so sad. I, I just feel like this, just do the opposite of that and everyone will be excited. Yep, and I, I feel like what will be interesting with this director search more so than the other new movies that they've done is like there's probably a reason they chose John Watts, right? Like There's a reason that for this franchise, they wanted to go with somebody they knew, which is not always something that they do. I mean, they've shuffled through all kinds of people. And like, think about, um, you know, the Marvels, they had a different director in the first movie, went to Nia DaCosta in the second movie, the Thor movies, you know, they have Kenneth Branagh and now they're on to Taika. Like they, they shuffle through people and they like to get new blood, but there's a reason that they wanted John Watts. And I don't, you know, none of us know what that reason is, but Kirk, with them sort of, I don't want to say up against the clock because this isn't this certainly isn't an urgent situation for them, and they won't they won't act urgently. But with them having to now kind of rethink the plan here, do you think they're more likely to tap into somebody already in house who they've worked with before um, in the MCU, or 
look outside for for inspiration? I think it's going to go two ways. It's going to be either someone that they've already had as a director that had a very successful film. Yep. Or B a very big well-known director i don't think it's going to be you know an up-and-comer who they've seen visions of their upcoming projects and they're like yes let's surprise people you know um but it's going to be one of those two paths i don't know which one it's going to be because they cannot miss on fantastic four it will be just another joke to to the whole to the whole franchise which will be sad yeah, I'll be interested to see where they go. I, I almost feel like they're going to look from within, but I don't know who that person will be. Like, part of me was like, do they tap back into John Favreau? You know, mm-hmm. like, do they do they run that like back? That. I know he's got a ton on his plate with the Star Wars situation, so maybe that's not even an option. Maybe his, his britches are a little too big for that. But, you know, when you say, like, people who've already had a really big movie for Marvel that, you know, are looking for more like that list is pretty limited like ryan coogler is already working on wakanda forever you know he's directing that film um you know the russo brothers the russo brothers are kind of out of the picture right now until you know maybe some further date but you know they they would they could be a candidate um so it'll be interesting we'll keep a close eye on it but that'll definitely be interesting uh staying on the marvel front the other thing that was announced at cinemacon uh, well, the real quick one is that the Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania swapped release dates. Uh, so uh, the Marvels was going to release February 17th of next year. Now Quantumania is, and the Marvels then slides into the slot of July 28th. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. This will all change. <laughs> this will, this will, I mean, this will all change. It just, it just does. Like release date, people getting excited about release dates a year away is so silly because they change constantly. So, um, but that happened. But the other thing that was revealed at CinemaCon, Kevin Feige was not there because he was currently at a Marvel creative team retreat where they were planning out the next 10 years of MCU projects. And he, he has since returned from that retreat and confirmed that they have MCU projects planned out through 2032 now. Holy cow. Holy cow. When I you mean, hear I think that, they should have done like a sweepstakes for that. You know, like you can come you just can come sit watch. in the room. You have to sign an NDA and we get to we get to slay you dead if you spoil anything. We get to actually kill you. But yeah. you can do yeah, you can win. <laughs> that would have been that would have been sweet. Um, it might be worse than not knowing, like knowing and not being able to tell anyone anyone yeah <laughs> or they they actually lock you up for a for the next 10 years so like you can't see you anyone you are somewhat of a prisoner like not in jail but you're just gonna sit in you're a room just in atlanta georgia you get to watch production yeah. of the films but you get to go nowhere okay um, that'd be cool can i bring my family can i <laughs> no i mean no ah dang it i'll tell you who was definitely not in that meeting is tom holland they, they he's probably as far away from that meeting as humanly possible they're like none of this can get to tom but here's my question about that. So 10 years of MCU, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there anything, any character that has yet to be introduced or announced that you might want to come out of that meeting? Like any sort of project or character that you would want to get introduced in, in this. And it can be, it can be like, it can be an X X men character because we really only know Charles Xavier at this point based on right, the right. promos. 
Um, it can be, you know, truly anyone that they haven't tapped into yet. Well, Cam, that is a very difficult question that I don't know that I can answer in this moment. It's tough. Um, you know what? I lied. I lied. I'm thinking. I feel like with the big trends of having all of the villains have their big movie, yeah. I want an extended time in World War II with Magneto. I yes. really do. I want more of that because that whole timeline and... Uh, just the stakes of it are so powerful. Yes. And I feel like there's a lot there still to to give us more with Magneto. He's such a complicated character. You see yes. he, him as a straight up villain uh, at the start of X-Men. And then you're like, well, wait a second. Your boy was harmed. I mean, devastated. This man was broken down. Like yeah. he was a little boy and he saw all of this happening. Of course, of course he wants to do something about it. Uh, and he wavers between good and bad. So, I mean, that that kind of character arc, give me more of that. I think that's what I want, a, a, a solo Magneto film. He's a really compelling character. He's a really good villain. And that, I was actually going to go that route too with somebody who's like a pretty complex character who kind of like tiptoes the line. I mean, Magneto is like usually consistently bad. Every once in a while he helps them, but he's one of those villains, like all good villains should be, where you go, wait a second, that guy has a point, <laughs> you know? And so for me, I was thinking Silver Surfer. I want... <sighs> I, and, and and I know that that's a hard, that's a, like a really cartoony character that is hard to execute on the big screen, as evidenced by Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, the movie, Youch. Um, but I want to see them do it. I think it would be so cool. Maybe that's how, how they're introduced. We just get the Silver Surfer before we get the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, a couple of other quick hitters coming out of uh, CinemaCon. The the spinoff, the John Wick spinoff called Ballerina that we've been hearing about. And, and, yes. and I believe this was only rumors until CinemaCon because we, we talked about it on this show, but at the time I know that it was just in the rumor phase and was not solid or, you know, it was totally just like they're in discussions. But confirmed, Ballerina will begin filming this summer with Anna de Armas as the star character in the John Wick spinoff, as was rumored um, probably around this time last year. So that's a huge deal. Awesome. More John Wick is never a bad thing. Um, we we all talked about Anna de Armas's awesome uh, cameo, I guess you would call it, in in uh, No Time to Die. So this feels like a perfect fit for her. And expanding the John Wick world, I think, is a great choice. Yeah, Anna de Armas just taking a, a page out of Linda Cardellini's book. She's just going to be in every major Everything. franchise in the history of time. <laughs> <laughs> just yep. make her mark, so bravo. She's going to be a human time capsule. They're going to be like, we can watch all <laughs> of the generations of culture for the next 50 years through the eyes of Anna de Armas. Yes. Uh, it seriously could be that. The Hunger Games prequel, which I feel like we've been hearing about for a thousand billion years, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, um, it's releasing November 17th, 2023 in theaters. This is so far removed from... The Hunger Games. Like, this isn't a... I don't know. This is this this to me doesn't even feel like a Harry Potter Fantastic Beast situation because Harry Potter was so much bigger in scale than the Hunger Games quadrilogy. 
tetralogy, whatever, because mm. it ended up being four with the part one, part two. Right, but right, right. We feel so far removed from the Hunger Games right now to be getting a prequel. Like, I, I feel like that's bizarre. I'm also shocked that Jennifer Lawrence is returning. That's also bonkers to me. Yeah, because if it's a prequel and she's much older now, right? how does that work? Are they going to... I'm confused. Or maybe it's flashbacks? Maybe she is Flash- like telling the story? Oh, she's story? telling the story as a flashback? But like... Right, like... I remember I was just a baby and they like But she was like what how old was she in the first movie? Like she was supposed to be like 15? 15? 14? Yeah. She doesn't remember Jack. When you're a kid, all your <laughs> memories are stupid. They're not like <laughs> they're not like important things about war and stuff. They're like I really liked this weird <laughs> thing. I don't know. Like that's I, I don't know where they're going with that, but we'll see. I mean if J Law's into it. Maybe it'll be good. I mean, she's had bad projects before, so it's certainly not a slam dunk, but we'll see. Right. It's coming November 17th of next year. She's like, I just can't pull a Shailene Woodley and just like bail on my franchise that made me famous. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. Here I am. But wasn't, wait, what was Shailene Woodley's franchise that made her famous? Divergent? Divergent. Oh, but those were garbage. Oh, they're like a fun, bad watch though. Like, they're so bad. Like, like I, so, I read those enough- books. Did you? I did before the movies, and I was so stoked about it, and they were so bad. There's enough intrigue between her and Theo James does a great job, yeah. and I think, is it Zoe Kravitz in those as yep, well? Zoe like, Kravitz, Miles Teller. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the, because of their skill level and because of their camaraderie, at least in the first one, it's like... The first one know, is watchable. watchable. The yeah. first one is watchable. It gets real bad from there. It gets real bad. Um, it does. I mean, Ansel <laughs> is in those as well. And he just oh, has like yeah. this, this brooding character like, I'm going to be the best and I will conform. No, I won't conform. Yes, I will conform <laughs> like back and forth like eight times Man, per movie. Man, if you had that same cast today, you'd be winning an Academy Award. <laughs> right? There's some big names up in there. Um, yeah. Weird. Okay, n- another section of rumors confirmed here. Toby Maguire will star as Charlie Chaplin in Babylon, which is Damien Chazelle's movie that's coming out later this year. Uh, that's according to Variety. There were rumors about it. There, there were tons of rumors about Toby Maguire being in Babylon, which is funny because he was in a really weird show for the indie, um, the indie channel called The Spoils of Babylon, which was like a uh, Leslie Nielsen type uh, show. Uh, very funny and very bizarre. But anyway, he's he's now in a movie called Babylon by Damien Chazelle, and he's playing Charlie Chaplin, like the Charlie Chaplin. Wow, I don't know why they just didn't get Robert Downey Jr. to do that again, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you've done it once, you can do it again, right? Just roll it, it back. It was only 25 years ago, but I think he could still get the physicality down. I think oh, he for could. sure. It's still in there. It's still in there. This one's for you, Kirk. Mission Impossible 7, yes. officially titled Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 The Part 1 kills it though The Part 1 kills it I know It should just be Just Dead Reckoning And then the second one Is Dead Reckoning Part 2 I feel like that's cleaner Okay I'm putting you On the spot again Mission Impossible Titles Power Ranking What What is the best subtitle Is it Is it Ghost Protocol Rogue Nation Fallout 
or Dead Reckoning? What's your order ranked from best to worst? Oh, oh hold on. I got or worst I can't, to best. Go worst I'm a to visual. Best. So we got Ghost Protocol. Rogue, Rogue Nation. Did I say Rogue Squadron? That's the Star Wars movie. I think it's Rogue, <laughs> Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Fallout. And Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. And I want worst to best. Worst of those. So there's four. Yeah. Rogue Nation gets a number four. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a tough. The rest is just tough. It gets <laughs> real just, tough from there. <laughs> it's just tough. Let's just tell. I mean, let's just be very clear. Dead Reckoning is number one on this list. Okay. There's no mistaking that. It is so cool. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, Ghost Protocol gets number two. Fallout gets number three. Even though. I think the name Fallout, anytime you have a one word attachment to it, um, it just, it's again, cleaner, less is more, right? Um, James Bond, Skyfall, right? Like, yeah. ooh, what's that about? Fallout. Okay, right? So my ranking, Dead Reckoning, Ghost Protocol, Fallout, Rogue Nation. Mine's the same as yours, except for I'm flipping the top two. I'm going Ghost Protocol over Dead Reckoning. Just okay, because Ghost, fine. like Dead Reckoning is hardcore for sure. Yeah. But Ghost Protocol sounds very Black Ops, very like covert SEAL Team Six type situation. It's there. a tough one because Ghost Protocol of the of the three that have been released is probably the best, even though they all just keep getting better. There's yeah. something about Ghost Protocol that was like solidifying, like, okay, Mission Impossible One, incredible, brilliant. Mission Impossible 2, garbage. Mission Impossible 3, J.J. Abrams, thank you. It's We're back in the game. Ghost Protocol solidified that series, that franchise, to yeah. make sure that it could continue to spawn more sequels. So It vaulted it into the current. I think yes. that it, it, it took like a very much-needed step because the gap between 3 and three and 4 is massive. Right. Um, and it was, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a, It's a significant movie. Um, they're all so good, though. Except so for two. Good. Except for two. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me just restate that. Except for two. Okay. Um, next up, Avatar. Oh, man. Talk about hearing about a movie for a thousand billion years. Well, it comes out this year. Um, it was going to release on the same day as Shazam, Fury of the Gods, but Shazam decided to scooch their release date by a week to dodge that. Probably a solid call on their part because um, yep. they're going to advertise the crapola out of this movie. But the official title is Avatar The Way of Water. And I don't know, like, is it just the whole thing is underwater? The title card looks like it's underwater to me. Um, no idea. The way that James Cameron apparently described these movies at CinemaCon, and they showed part of it. They said it was insane. Um, but basically that each movie is a sequel to the previous movie, but is also self-contained, meaning that the story begins and ends in that movie and, and, and the sequel just takes place in the same world but it's like a different thing which I was like you know that actually is a good way to go about this given the you know giant 10 year gap 13 year gap between this movie and its predecessor yeah, but, it's, like the, it's like the Die Hard movies right so you have Die Hard 1 takes place in a building Die Hard 2 it's an airport Die Hard 3 it's the whole city <laughs> Die Hard 4 so they're just going to do different terrain. One was just like land and kind of air with like the the dragon monster flying things. This right, one's right. water. They'll do one that's like volcano. 
they'll just go like they'll go avatar the last airbender and they'll just do the elemental thing yes um, all over pandora i think you might be on something He's just he. I think James Cameron watched Captain Planet reruns, and he said, "I've got it. He's I've like, got yes. the next water, earth, sky, fire, recycling." I can't wait for the recycling Avatar movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have actually been the first one. If we're being honest, it was yes. like save the world. Don't let the people steal the, the natural resources at the expense of the natives. It was Earth. Yep. Uh, but recycling, such such a be- they missed their mark. They right did. There. They did. Uh, but, Kirk, good news for you is that we will get to see the trailer on Thursday night whenever we go see Doctor Strange. It is it is actually releasing exclusively alongside Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness until a week after that movie's been in theaters, which is when they'll release it online. So if you want to, if you are in the tiny, I mean, this has to be the smallest Venn diagram section ever. Like, yeah. people who hate Doctor Strange slash the MCU but love Avatar so much, um, you'll want to buy a ticket to Doctor Strange just so you can see the trailer and then walk out. That's yeah. basically what I'm saying. I think those people should be immediately arrested upon departure. <laughs> if, they, if they leave in the first five minutes after seeing the Avatar trailer, you just round them up. You're like, nope, actually, we have a special society just for you where you can go be weirdos together. Yes, they supply you with blue makeup. Yeah, you can just go romp <laughs> around on this on this godforsaken <laughs> island with all your other cat friends. Do you um, think it's going to be like mermaids, like Avatar mermaids? Like I would say, water? all bets are off, Kirk. I, uh, I, <laughs> I think we could go any way with it. I'm going to be really mad if this movie's like amazing because that just won't make any sense. But I'll be very upset we'll if it is good. Okay, other quick hitters. David O. Russell's new movie finally has a title, and it is not Canterbury Glass. It is, I repeat, it is not Canterbury Glass, which everyone has been calling it. Um, it's called Amsterdam. So we'll see. But we got a first look at it. It was just like one picture of Christian Bale, uh, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington. John David Washington and Christian Bale like had eye patches on, so I, I don't know what that's going on. Pirates. Um, this is a pirate movie. It's pirates. Uh, next up, Alejandro G. Inarritu, director of Academy Award winning Best Picture Birdman and Academy Award nominee Revenant. Um, the Revenant? The Revenant? The Revenant. Yeah. Um, his next film, Bardo, will release on Netflix and in theaters at the same time at the end of this year. So Whoa, take that HBO Max. I know Netflix is coming for uh, coming for the, the 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 big trophy. So we'll see what happens. Wow! And it was shot on for for any of you real cinephiles out there. It was shot on sixty five millimeter cinematography. So uh, sixty five millimeter film that is. So very nice. I know we've briefly talked about this. Just a tangent. I really want to see someone film an entire feature film on an iPhone. I want it to say filmed on iPhone 15. Like I want it to be that because it'll be David Leach. He'll do it. He'll do it. Okay. Perfect. I'm sure he will because isn't he the one who directed the, so he's directing bullet train with Brad Pitt Mm -hmm. that comes out, which looks like just a ton of fun. Um, and he, I think he did the snowball fight iPhone commercial during the super bowl that came out. Maybe was it last year? Yes. Um, and That's he was right. like, I think they interviewed him around that. And he was like, yeah, I, lo- I love shooting on iPhone. Like, so it'll be him. He'll do, he'll be the one to do it. 
perfect. I would, I really, and I want it to win. I want it to have a good script. I want it to have a great cast. And I just want to have production photos. Yeah, of the director walking around with his iPhone on, on like a the cinematographer. He's thing. just got like a selfie stick. <laughs> <laughs> it'll either be it'll either be David Leach or Steven Soderbergh. It'll be a race to the finish between the, those two. <laughs> See who can figure it out. Um, yes, please. Other quick hitters: <laughs> Michael Shannon will return as Zod in the Flash. That's right, Zod, the villain in Man of Steel, who gets yes. spoiler alert killed by superman um will return and the funniest tweet i saw about this one was somebody said so michael shannon's returning for the flash but will ezra miller <laughs> i was like but yes that is the real question so we'll see what happens incredible um, this is not really news but they did announce it at CinemaCon. the batman 2 is in the works they're not going to call it the batman 2 if they did i would fall out of my chair um, we'll see. We'll see what they call it, but it is in the works. Batman, the second one. <laughs> yeah, other uh, sequels in the works. Uh, there's a sequel, a sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife that is in the works. Which confession time? I haven't seen that movie yet. I don't know how it just slipped under the radar last year. Um, yep. uh, Venom three is in the works, and that's pretty much it for sequels. But the other big movies that were announced is wicked is now going to be two movies which that is like red flag city if you ask me that's like yeah. that is not good um i don't know is there any way that this turns out okay after that announcement i feel like this that for me was like a nuclear bomb on this project no because that musical it covers so much ground and yes. it's a live show it's two and a half hours so yeah it's a musical yeah it's like it's a broadway show it's like a very normal time limit show right so then if you're telling me that you need two movies that yeah. means you're adding stuff you're adding weird stuff from the book that wasn't good enough to be in the broadway musical flashbacks and yes i agree i don't think it's gonna i think that is bad bad news we don't need that. We don't want it. It's not a good sign. It's just not a good sign. And for something that's been in production since one year after the Broadway musical <laughs> premiered. And the movie, the first terrible. movie, I almost said the movie, the first movie doesn't come out until December of 2024. That's an wow. eternity away. And that will probably move out even you know like oh yeah we will never see this movie. There's a good chance. There's a good chance it never it never sees the light of day. I mean that's totally nuts. Um, other nuggets, Barbie and Oppenheimer. This is so funny. These are the two movies that have been like competing in the super cast battle. Like Chris Nolan adds three people. So does Greta Gerwig. And it's like these massive casts. We've been talking about it. They are scheduled to release as of right now on the exact same day, July what? 21st, 2023. And if that holds Kirk, I'm putting it in, in writing right now. We're watching Wait, both or we're reviewing both. July 21st, 2023. Okay, wow, that's crazy. We'll watch both and review both if it sticks. On the same day. Simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start the movies at the same time. <laughs> we'll rent out a theater to do that. Be like, hey, can you just kind of like stack them? Yeah. And they're like, what do you want with the audio? We're like, play it concurrently. <laughs> 
just mix it all in. <laughs> You've got Hans Zimmer score over here. You got Barbie Girl by Aqua coming from the other side, and then you just you die. That's how that you just melt <laughs> into a puddle and you you cease to exist. Oh yes, please. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, and I had to save this one for last because I find it absolutely hilarious. Uh, Sony's universe of Spider-Man films, which has officially taken a major turn for the worse following everyone hating Morbius and the fact that it already like wasn't the best because those Venom movies have not been like stellar. They've been like, okay. Um, the next movie that they've announced is a film called El Muerto. Did you take Spanish in school, Kirk? What does that mean? Like the death, the killer? What is that? Well, it should just be the dead. But the dead. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's uh, They're making a movie called El Muerto based on um, this like super powered luchador, uh, luch- luchador type of Mexican wrestler um, starring Bad Bunny. And here's the kicker, Kirk. If that doesn't already sound like a terrible idea, um, that character has only appeared in two comics. Two. Not two runs of comics. Two issues of comics. And how many different Spider-Man slash Marvel comics are there? Like hundreds of thousands. He's appeared in two. What will this even be about? I mean, who? someone needs to be fired immediately because of this decision. <laughs> I feel like it's got to go to the top. I mean, I know Amy Pascal like is riding high coming off of the Tom Holland trilogy situation, but you know, people m- more closely associate that with Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. Like this is horrible. This is horrific. I mean, how can you take a character that has never been developed? It was never never had a fan base to then all of a sudden uh extrapolate this into a movie however i will say i'm trying to work myself through my my old comic books and if i find el muerto in one of them i'm sure i'm gonna have like millions of dollars on my hand if i sell it during the right week before the reviews come in i think that's the key right there i mean i bet i bet this is like a more recent character if i had to guess like a more recent character maybe they're planning on writing more and so they're like let's get out in front of it we're gonna we're going to roll out some comics in conjunction with it. I have no idea, but this is like red flags all over the place. Between that, you've got the Madam Web movie. We'll see what that is going to be like. Madam Web, also not a big character. Um, you know, Craven the Hunter is a decently big character, but also a villain, much like Venom. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a mess over there at the moment. Yeah, that's just not good. Not good at all. All right. <sighs> exhale we did it we made it through everything significant from CinemaCon that and I say significant because that's totally subjective and and that just means did we think it was significant enough to put in the podcast Uh, so yes we made it through everything significant that happened at CinemaCon anything else Kirk for movie news this week that caught your eye I've got absolutely nothing I'm exhausted over all the movie news it was just incredible it was such a ride and one day we'll own our own theater so we can go to CinemaCon strictly just for CinemaCon. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Next up for those of you who are avid listeners, here's what you have to look forward to. We've got the Northmen. We're going to be reviewing it. Kirk and I are actually about to record it right now. As soon as we hop off the stream, we're going to be re- recording our review 
of The Northman, which we saw last night. That review will drop on Thursday. Then on Thursday, Kirk and I will be in Kino, as they say in, in German, uh, in the cinema, seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and we will review yes. that. Hopefully, here's my hope, and don't hold me to it, because again, this is very, very fluid. I'm hoping there's a chance we get to review it over the weekend so we can drop the review on Monday, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I want to make sure we get that review to you as soon as humanly possible because there's going to be a lot there. And for those of you rushing to theaters to go see it this weekend, like us, I want you to be able to have an outlet for your thoughts and hear what we had to say and get into all the nitty-gritty. It's going to be a good time. Yes, indeed. But until all of that have to say a special thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and his band Rhetoric with the lovely tunes you're hearing on the way out. Once again, catch them on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, anywhere else. We will see you for the Northman Review. Talk to you then. Bye.